as I was watching and I was thinking, God, how did I miss this? It, it, it just, it, it just, it hit me hard. It really did. And it's still with me. In Haiti, uh, the reason why the sugar plantations wanted uh, zombies, that is to say, barely conscious workers, was of course, they didn't have to pay them anything. Last Thursday, we convened our first Labor Goes to the Movies movie club discussion, and we covered a lot of ground. We've got an in-depth discussion of the movie on Ida B. Wells, which is still available in the AFI Silver's DC Labor Film Fest virtual screening room. We've got a link in the show notes. And Tom Zaniello, who's written several books on labor movies, tells us about the worker origins of, yes, zombies. Plus, we get a fascinating glimpse into Elise's Detroit theater roots, and we raise but do not resolve the question of whether the death of Stalin is a labor movie. Plus, we'll play the trailer for Miss Marks, which opens this week. That's all coming up on today's edition of Labor Goes to the Movies. Here's the show. All right, here is my co-conspirator and co-host for the Labor Goes to the Movie podcast, so we can... <laughs> At least she's in the house. Wait a minute, what happened to the whole yellow ensemble from this morning? You've got a, you've had a costume change. <laughs> I, got I, I was change. feeling like Motown, you know? I was feeling like home. And got home. it, got it, all right. It just seemed like the thing to do. Uh, it's working it's working did you get a chance to see the ida movie all right so i'm gonna say uh since we have two folks that have seen that why don't uh why don't you guys kick it off at least you want to go for it or you want to let evan take a whack at it oh gosh golly i don't know Uh, (laughs) please please you start i i am i was amazed that i had not seen it before okay um uh Ida B. Wells, um, I, I think I read about her first in, in Paula Giddings' book, When and Where I Enter, uh, you know, years, years ago. Um, and so I was, as I was watching it, I was thinking, God, how did I miss this? And, and by the end of it, I just felt like someone, someone asked this question recently, why haven't black people turned on white people after the treatment <laughs> received uh, in this country over centuries? And and those those lynchings and that final incident um, uh, with the farmers forming a union, and 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 her her writing to them saying um, instead of you've been praying about dying, you've been praying about being free. Why don't you pray about living? Mm. Mm. You know, and it it, it just it, it just it hit me hard. It really did, and it's still with me. Um, and I have to say that. I had not seen um, a photograph of a lynching in a long time, and I don't know that I've ever seen it that close up, mm. you know, on my on my screen. And mm-hmm. that image is in my head, and I, I have no, I'm having a hard time getting it out because it's yeah. I, I remember seeing some of the you know they 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 made postcards of lynchings back in the day, and I remember I don't you know maybe you know, my dad's a labor historian, maybe that's I don't I just remember seeing those as a kid and just um i don't think i really even understood at first like what what is this it can't be what it looks like because that doesn't make any sense right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so before we get evan in on this remind folks because i ida is one of these names that i knew But like, I didn't know anything about her until I read up a little bit on her today, and I still haven't seen the film. So remind folks 
of who she was and how at the time she was she was a big name she was known oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah uh she became principally known as a journalist mm. uh and particularly around anti-lynching uh was her focus uh she had her parents had been enslaved in the memphis uh tennessee area and that's what she was born two years i think before the end of the civil war um and her parents died of yellow fever mm. when she was 16 and she had a sister who was developmentally different and they wanted to put her into a home and ida said at 16 no 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 my parents would roll over in their grave i'm taking care so she took on this responsibility and she was that way from the time she was 16 years old until she died uh, just right there. I didn't know how involved she was in the women's rights movement until the 100th anniversary. You, you see you Patty nodding your head last year. And I was like, and it, and Toni Morrison, who's, who's narrating the film, is is reading her journal and, and, and saying what her interaction with Susan B. Anthony. And I was like, oh no, this wasn't like she just happened to show up at the march. I mean, she was in the movement. Um, and somehow in the things I read about her, I hadn't heard that part uh, in terms of women's right to vote. So I was like, and then this, this her conversation with her, Susan B. Anthony was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I want to go to Evan, but I want, I'd like you to talk a little bit more since it's really fresh in your mind, since you just saw it about, you know, the power of this film. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it is the power of all films. I mean, it's the power of filmmaking um, that you can take uh, a story and tell it and, 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 and bring it to life through the use of photography and, and um, you know, the images that they were able to, to call and have. I mean, her that, you know, her pictures, I mean, she had pictures from the time she was, you know, young woman starting as a teacher when she was 22 till the time that she passed and all that's in there. So we could see her in that process with all that documentation. And I, I really, having talked to uh, Polly uh, Pettit, who worked on the uh, nine to five uh, documentary and also worked with us on putting Marilyn My Marilyn together and getting photos. I mean, that's a whole job in and of itself, right? If Absolutely. Go out and hunt down the photographs. And get permission and all that shit. And all that stuff. And yeah, 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 yeah. I was, it, it's powerful in that respect. It is, is a powerful storytelling that um, is totally different from theater, my love, uh, and uh, just reading it. And this is a 1989 film. One of the things I should say, it's a California newsreel film. <laughs> and I was talking to um, Todd at AFI because uh, California newsreel is, is releasing sort of bunches of these uh, films, a lot of which are labor films or laborific films. And so we're actually, uh, you know, looking at, you know, doing probably another festival, maybe even before next year, just focused on these films. And, you know, that's a that's an old film. And a lot of times those films from the you know 80s don't necessarily hold up so well. They don't age well. Uh -huh. what, what, did you, what did you think? Oh, I thought it did. What, what do you think, Evan? Yeah, it definitely has the traditional kind of documentary where you have the images and some soundscaping behind it and mm -hmm. uh, some cutaways with people reading and experts who know about the history as well. But I think it absolutely, you know, it carries the story well, it, you know, even without all the special effects and things like that. Um, and William Greaves, I, I didn't know about the director, actually, but he was born in 1926 and he was a documentary filmmaker. And he produced more than 200 documentary films. Mm -hmm. And he started his career in New York 
Um, and he was attended the same like actor studio with like Marlon Brando and all the, and I guess Julie Harris, Anthony Quinn, Shelley Winters. And um, talking about just kind of the story, I mean, Ida B. Wells, I, you know, I've, I've heard about her. I knew a little bit of her work in the anti-lynching movement, but she started off yeah, as, as Elise was saying, where at a very young age, she became an adult, lost both of her parents, had to take care of her sister. And then she did not ever accept the, you know, the depressed status that she was given. And so one of the first scenes, she's on a railroad car and they're trying to move her. And she's like, I'm not moving. And then they try to physically move her and she bites the hand of the, oh my the guy, God. And like they toss her off. And her whole resistance is, is all about, you know, like, we don't need to take this. We don't need to integrate. Like, let's, let's get out of here if they don't want us. And let's take our economics with like our economic power with us. Um, And it's kind of an interesting uh, side note where they talk about she and Booker T. Washington got into some disagreements on strategy about accommodation versus uh, confrontation. And uh, that's, that's a constant theme, I think, in all labor struggles and all organizing agitation. Um, but I, I think it's it's 60 minute documentary. It moves fast. Uh, everyone should watch it. Oh, yeah. Let me just welcome uh, Michael and Milton. Um, Milton. We're, Hello. Uh, so. uh, a question. Um, so what extent did they cover her lifespan? Was it a period in time? Did they give the end of her life? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't her the end of her life in Chicago? Yes. Wasn't her right. husband killed? Um, I don't remember her husband was killed. Okay. You remember Evan? I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. He died before her. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's her life. It is totally okay. her life in the in sixty minutes. Wow, oh, which is pretty amazing. They covered that much in in. Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. Most, most folks these days wouldn't get out of your teens in their first, you know, 90 minutes. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and she, I mean, one of the things that they, they, they talk about and point out is this whole, the, the uh, migration of, of African-Americans from the South as things got worse and worse uh, to the Midwest uh, and how she, she ends up in Chicago uh, with, and he had, he, he had, her husband had the largest circulation of African-American newspaper in Chicago, and he sold it to her. <laughs> Go figure. Wait, what year was this? Oh, shoot. I'm just thinking it was a year when you probably didn't have a lot of female business owners. No, uh-uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, so yeah, late 1800s. Wow, much less women of color. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so he was some kind of progressive. <laughs> Well, they figured that out. <laughs> so one of the, the thing that, that she got into with, with, um, with Susan B. Anthony was Susan B. Anthony kept saying her married name really curtly and uh-huh, yeah, like Ida B. Wells Barnett or something. <laughs> and I just said, why are you saying it like that? And she said, well, because, you know, you were such an activist and now you're married. I mean, how can you, and you're going to have a baby, how could you possibly continue to be an activist and do this work that you've been called to do? 
Susan, Susan B could be a bit harsh, let's be honest, right? She could I mean, be Susan... a bitch. <laughs> okay, I mean, they cut out African-American women, okay? Let's be honest here. They Testify. fucked them over. Testify. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. No, yeah. that's right. Well, no, no, I, and I think the thing is, is that this is, this is, I mean, what Susan B. Anthony was buying into was that, you know, you couldn't possibly do anything else but be a mother because that's what motherhood was. But when, the fact is that when you were a slave, you didn't fucking get to sit back and go, I'm just going to stay home today and take care of the kids because they have colds, okay? No! You went to the field, you did what you had to do, you took the babies with you, you put them on your back, on your front, or whatever, you sat them under the shade tree while the other kids took care of them, and you went and did the work. Black women didn't have the option of, oh, I think I'll stay home and take care of the children, or go to work. You go wait, to work, wait. you got kids at home. Wait a minute, they didn't have paid sick leave back then, at least? No, no, they didn't. Uh, well, child, care make, child care meant taking care of everybody else's child. Right, yes. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that Susan B. Anthony was buying into that, mm -hmm. that you could well, not be an activist and be a mother and be married uh, was part of that. That was the, you know, popular thought on the sexist side um, that women were limited in what they could do. And probably says a whole lot about Susan B. Yeah, or somebody once says, if you've never had a baby, you don't know what, you know, <laughs> what pain and struggle is. <laughs> yeah. Do I have her exclusion of African-American women marchers in a march, or am I mixing up my marches? <laughs> no, that's, that's her. They, they were told the black women were going to march in the back of the the march yeah that's which which march was this this was a women's march this uh, women's suffrage march in dc right march. yeah yeah and they were from all over the country and the southern women said we don't think we should be having black women marching with us and so they decided the leadership uh, that of the march that the black women march in the back well ida b wells heard about this and she had planned to march with her chicago sisters uh, so two of her white sister allies said, hey, you know, be there. And when we get to that point, you know, hop in and we're going to all march together. And so <laughs> she did. And so she marched with them uh, in D.C. Uh, whereas the other, the other women, uh, the sorority sisters that were part of it, African-American sisters, were at the back of the march. Man, that's you not even... You been a conductor, a white conductor on a train. I mean, I, you could be dead for that kind of stuff. So yeah, being in the line and being with, with the women that she was supposed to be marching with uh, was just, of course, she was going to do it. And again, I mean, this was something that came up with this, you know, documentaries on uh, women's right to vote for this hundredth anniversary that I had not heard before. That I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was a march in Washington, much less that the black women were supposed to march in the back of it. So when I saw that documentary on PBS. Uh, before this this anniversary was the first time I'd heard that story. Ida B. Wells, it's an hour and it's $5 and the money goes to AFI. So, you know, you got a great film, you got the prices right and the money goes to AFI. And if, if $5 doesn't seem like enough, by the way, uh, there is an option to donate more. So just saying. For sure. All right. You. Go ahead, Milton. I, I plan to see it, but I felt the need to say hello to Elise Bryant because we go back about uh, 20, 25 years ago in Detroit, and she did a lot of uh, entertaining and uh, did her shtick very nicely with uh, labor dinners that we had. So uh, 
hello to you, Elise. Hello to you too, Milton. And guess who was sitting in my living room on Tuesday morning? Who? Ron Alpern. Oh my goodness. Okay. And we were talking about you. <laughs> All right. So, so who is Ron Alpert? As long as we're having old home week here, <laughs> clue, us, clue us in, Elise. He and Steve Babson wrote the book on Detroit labor history. Ah. Uh, and the title just went out of my my brain real quick. Working Detroit. I think it's called Working Detroit. Working Detroit. That's right. Yes. That's right. And they would conduct tours. Yes. Uh, yes. Hit the main. Uh, historical sites in Detroit. That was a, a, a great tour that they put together. Yes. And and that made us and that brought us to Bernie Firestone. We oh had, my uh, goodness. Uh, oh. Uh, 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 so every, everybody knows that uh, that Elise is from Detroit, right? If you didn't before, you do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> in case the Motown shirt didn't clue you in. Right. Right. You may bust out into some Supremes any moment here. Bernie deserves a movie. Bernie deserves a movie. Absolutely right. Yeah. Do, do people know who Bernie? Uh, no, no. You're gonna have. We're going down to. We're going Bernie, down to Detroit mob, labor mafia rabbit hole. Here. Oh That's my it. gosh, Bernie Firestone. Um, he was an. Uh, he was an officer in the Amalgamated Clothing and Textile Workers Union in Detroit. Now he was always involved in progressive causes, but the one that really was amazing, and really helped organize a committee. Uh, against Central America intervention. So some of you know the whole story about AFL funding and and the uh, support that AFL-CIO gave to efforts to squash the Contras and give military aid to El Salvador. He was the one who organized demonstrations and protests against that policy. And down the road, that one out, but unfortunately he was shot by a member and killed uh, such a sad story, but a remarkable, remarkable progressive person. Wouldn't you say that, Elise? Absolutely. And, and, here's, and here's how I got to know Bernie Firestone is High Corn Blue hired me at the University of Michigan Labor Studies Center to direct this labor theater project called Workers' Lives, Workers' Stories. And he said, we should write for a grant. Look at the Michigan Council of Humanities and tell them who's on the board. I got I look it up and I go, I, I don't even have a computer. I'll have a selected two typewriter. I don't know how I looked it up. But I said, oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's this person, that person. There's uh, Bernie Firestone. He goes, he goes, Bernie Firestone. He's with Act Two. Yeah, give him a call. I was like, uh, you want me to call him? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, isn't like jury tampering? He goes, no, no, call him up. <laughs> I call, hi, I'd like to speak to Bernie Firestone. Oh, hi. Because he was totally accessible. And he said, oh, okay. So what's your grant? And said, so it's a workers' lives, workers' stories, labor theater project. Okay, he says. And two weeks later, I get a phone call and says, your, your grant is in. Wow. So I went from being a secretary to the artistic director of a labor theater project just like that. Wow. <laughs> Bernie decided that when he retired, he wanted to join the, the, the theater company. Wow, I didn't know And that. I said, really, Bernie? And he goes, no, no, I really always loved theater. I think I would like to do this. And he practiced this poem called They're Taking, uh, They're Taking John's Machine Away about, you know, descaling de, de and, de, uh, the, you know, automation. And it was a poem that he didn't write it with somebody else. And uh, the day he was murdered, he was on his way to rehearsal with Workers' oh, Life. Oh, Yes. Oh, my God. What and, a story. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it's a play. And, and, um, and I got a phone call from Detroit, from a friend of Detroit, who said, Bernie's just been killed. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I don't remember what else happened. I do remember getting ready to leave the office 
And Tammy, who was the support staff person, said to me, do you want me to call the, the performers in the, in the company and tell them rehearsal's canceled for tonight? And I said, no, no, we're not canceling rehearsal. I got to rehearsal, everybody was there. Somebody bought a candle. Jim, Jim, Jim uh, uh, Crawford started singing, I'm gonna go to work on Monday one more time. I'm gonna go to work on Monday one more time, one more time. And we sang the whole song, Psycon, right? Right. We lit the candles, we sang the song, and we said, let's take it from the top because Bernie would want us to do that. Wow. Mike Nelson, he wouldn't say, oh, no, he would be like, you know, mourn for the dead, fight like hell for the living. And we knew that. And in that moment, it was like, yeah, we, we came together. Wow. Well, that's what a fantastic story, Elise. Yeah. <laughs> you got to write that up, seriously. You do. Yeah, no, it's really, really in, in your In your voluminous spare time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I okay. gotta stop. I gotta hey, stop. hey, Milton can help you. Yes, Milton. There we go. Yeah. Go ahead, Milton. I've been reading another great uh, African American woman writer, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, mm. and um, I'm not sure uh, uh, most people uh, know about zombies and know about plagues and zombies and all those crazy films made about them. But Zora Neale Hurston was the first person to investigate in Haiti um, the phenomenon of zombies and what they were, were um, unpaid workers. And the, the, the myth of the zombie in, in Haiti, uh, the reason why the sugar plantations wanted uh, zombies, that is to say, barely conscious workers, was of course they didn't have to pay them anything. Wow. So the origin of zombie is not a, a guy who wants to eat your arm, um, but a, uh, a, a, a poor schlub worker in Haiti uh, who was getting paid nothing to work on the sugar plantation. That, that would be a great labor film, right? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, Milton, and then I want yeah. to get some final thoughts from Elise, and we're going to wrap this. Milton, over to you. Yeah. Uh, our Atlanta DSA has a labor working group and they've been hosting a film festival, labor film festival. Started off with Eugene Debs and then we're gonna to go to A. Philip Randolph and then Salt of the Earth. And I'm sure we're gonna to wanna to call on you because we're thinking about doing something more and we were struggling on how to put together this film festival. It, it happened, but it was pretty difficult to make happens so down the road we'll be uh checking in with you connected because uh i'm meeting with the, i'm meeting with uh, we have about 50 labor film festivals around the world we have an online database of thousands of films and we exist to exactly wow. help out folks like that um and we're doing you know these things like last week haymarket where a bunch of us come together it's a little bit a little bit of work for everybody and we do more so can milton if you can connect them uh, we would invite them to our, our regular meetings. And I, I did not know about that in Atlanta, so that would be good. I'd, I'd like to connect up with them. All right, Elise, my sister, my co-host, my... <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if this is laborific, but I, I did think of it, and if anybody's seen it, I'd love to hear your feedback on it. The death of Stalin. Give me the pitch on how it's laborific. Oh, I think we have to save this for next time, Chris, because, you know. Oh, oh you, you're just stirring up some shit is what you're doing. All right, all right. Well, okay. it like at 3 o'clock in the morning. I went, whoa, what no, is good, this? It's a good, Girl, at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're up? 
that's not oh, that's no, not no. the that's not the news. But good film. It's a good film. California newsreel film at the river I stand. I use. Oh my God! Yes. Yes. Class I taught at the National Labor College. I showed that film. I said, let's talk about formal leaders and informal leaders. Yep. Uh How it worked out in that Uh situation in Memphis, Tennessee with Martin Luther King. And And then I go back to Ida B. Wells in Memphis, too. And I was like thinking that as I was watching, I was like, what is it with Memphis? You know, and it is geographical. I mean, it is where it is centered in the United States and all that kind of good stuff. But anyway, we got to do a road trip to Memphis. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There and get go. a labor film festival going there because I don't uh-huh. think they have one. They need one. But uh, At the River I Stand is one of the ones that's being re-released. And yeah. and I would love to see a red carpet at the Silver Theater for that one. So let's keep with, that in. Uh-huh, with James Lawson and Bill Lucy while they're still with us. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, Bill Lucy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lawson. All right. So, so, so food for thought, folks. Uh, let me leave you with this. So, Death of Stalin, uh, you know, dis- we'll discuss it next week. I got to rethink it. Maybe I have to go re see it. I love it, but I don't know about the laborific thing. <laughs> Unless you're thinking about the internal f- food fights that we have in the movement, in which case, hell yeah. Um, so let's let's think about that for next week. Uh, also, spread the word. This is open. Uh, we all have that friend that likes to talk to us about movies. Let's get him in here and hear about it. As you can see, nothing is uh, is off topic. Uh, so as long as you can at least pitch it that there's a labor angle. And by the time we meet next week, we will have two more movies uh, available. So if you, uh, you and what are the two? Ah, I was afraid you were going to ask that. Uh, I got to keep you on your toes, brother. Oh, no, some really good ones. Um, Miss Marks, Miss Marks, that's going to be available on Tuesday the 11th. Okay. And then the Chambermaid, uh, La Camarista, available on the 13th. So two more. Get cracking watching those movies. Bring a friend for next week. Yes. Have, be safe out there. Safe. Bye. Bye bye. Stay tuned for the trailer for Miss Marks, which opens on Tuesday, May 11th. And we hope to see you at our weekly open sessions this month, Thursdays at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. You can RSVP at the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you at the Labor Movies. If what they all say is true, then my father is burning in hell right now. He's earned his rest. Now it's my turn to live. Eleanor Marks, there are legends about you resisting to a long police interrogation. Children are not allowed to work. Why don't you tell her that we need our children's salaries, eh? Just as the workers are the creatures of a tyranny of idlers, women are the creatures of a tyranny of men. I've got work to do. Marvelous. Woman will no longer be man's slave. Have you not been happy with me? No, I've never been happy. The future's on our side. idea of happiness to fight.